What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kazen. Today we're going to have a console war on the podcast, but we got to warm yes. up to that first. First, See, we got to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? I was just going to say, Mike Mike did a ton of research here, so... I did. Yeah, there's a lot of... Mike's got, Mike's got the numbers on his side, we'll just put it that way. I uh, worked really hard and really long to try and make an objective system of rating these consoles. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that in a minute. First, I want to talk about Dragon Quest, your story. Hold on, I forgot to add you to this one. I'm going to put you in here. I always forget to do that. Let's do add it. Add Kaysen, window capture. There's Kaysen. Uh, this is the only thing from the week, like a story from the week, that stuck out to me. Have you seen it? Have you seen the trailer for this, Kaysen? No, I haven't. I didn't know. You should know. see it. Uh, it's pretty cool. I was sick. Like <laughs> I've been sick for almost two weeks now. Uh, um, case in here. I'm sharing it with you now. Yeah, I missed a lot right of stuff. Here. Bang. There it is. Okay. Yeah, here um, it is. So, I'm going to play it real quick in the background. <sighs> the animation quality, I mean, I mean, it's not a surprise. It's Square Enix, right? But yeah, yeah. pretty incredible. Um, the movie is based off the fifth game in the series dragon quest wow. 5 so you, sweet. Uh, yeah so you will see um him dressed up in that, that like purple turban thing yeah with the scarf so that's yeah. that's the story in the dragon quest series that they're basing the movie off of and um oh it's a movie it, yeah it's a movie oh dragon i was quest, like this looks better than dragon quest 11 <laughs> <laughs> what the nope not a game this is a film wow uh it looks pretty great i'm yeah it looks cool I'm. I actually want to see this. Like, is it going to come out in America? <laughs> that's the question, right? I mean, I'm sure it has to. They have yeah, to. Yeah, maybe I mean, some limited, like a, some a release, DVD yeah. release or something like that. Well, I guess yeah, there'll be a DVD, DVD or a blue Blu-ray release or something. But I would hope so, because it looks great. I don't know why they have the backwards R in your story. I don't know what the yeah, what? deal is with that, but. Um, <laughs> In terms of like animation quality, and like really good, it looks like a pretty freaking good movie. And you know, I again, I'm not the most familiar with the Dragon Quest series. Like, I've played nine, I've played a little bit of eleven, I've played a little bit of five, and I've played a fair amount of eight. But that's it. Yeah. And um, my wife and I are going to play 11 once it comes out on the Switch. But Oh, yeah. When it comes out on the Switch, I'm going to be all over it, actually. I'm oh, yeah. Prioritize <laughs> oh, that. yeah. Because I want, I want to switch to the to the 16-bit version, man. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's anyways, <laughs> that's like the whole reason the game's good. But exactly. just kidding. Anyways, uh, <laughs> 5, from a storytelling perspective, has some of the more interesting ideas I feel for that series. So if they're basing it on mm. that movie or on that game, they're basing the movie on that game, then I'm pretty excited for it. I think it'll be cool. Mm. Um, anyways, if you guys hadn't heard of that, I'll put a link in the description so you guys can watch that, follow it. Uh, all you Dragon Quest heads should be stoked. Uh, uh, okay. Dog saying, I'm surprised it's not an anime since the characters were drawn by Akira Toriyama. And that is actually yep. a very good point. They didn't go with that style they wanted to do a cg film yep and it looks good i mean it translated yeah. well it oh, looks yeah. like dragon quest but not at the same time it, it, they kind of have almost like a it's like a 
in like it doesn't look like Toriyama, but it still looks like Dragon Quest, and I don't know how to yeah, explain yeah. why that is to me. <laughs> <laughs> Good because like it's not the same art style. It feels like a, a like a, a melding between like Disney animated style faces and Akira Toriyama's designs for sure. clothing, the dragons, the well, it looks very similar monsters. to Dragon Quest Eleven in the mix like they're kind of meeting in between in the middle of yeah. that that classic anime look with the modern cg look yeah so i think it looks great though um i would definitely want to see that if they will release it in, you know outside japan but i'm sure that's gonna be a huge hit in japan people freaking obsessed with dragon Holy quest cow. oh yeah that's gonna be like uh like a, a Frozen or mm-hmm. a, that level <laughs> caliber yeah. of a film in japan toy, toy right? story yeah they're going to be freaking stoked about that, so yeah, keep an eye on that. Okay, uh, the only other, um, uh, this is just a minor note, the only other things, the only other stories I saw, this was shared in uh, in Discord, was that there's a couple of um, guys from Square Enix who left the company. Uh, Hideo oh, really? Baba, who hmm. was, he, he's known for his work on the Tales of series, like back in the day. Oh, cool. He had only come on a couple years ago and was working on something called Project Prelude Rune. And he just announced that he's leaving. And then I don't, I've never even heard of the Million Arthur series. But mm. it says Million Arthur series producer Hiro, Hiro Aki Iwano leaves Square Enix. So I guess this shouldn't be like a, a huge surprise. They just barely did a, like a gigantic restructuring. Yeah. Square Enix, where they took like eleven business divisions and they turned them into like three or four or something like that. Wow! So you know there are going to be project leads and producers and people at the higher level on those projects who are not going to any longer be division managers or you know leaders. And I'm yeah. sure they were like, "Yeah, okay, I'm just going to go somewhere else." If you're going to be demoting me, basically. I'm not saying that's what happened necessarily, but that would logically follow for me with a restructuring of that, like, scale. So, Hmm. anyways, some people were saying, like, ooh, tons of people, like, leaving Square Enix, and it's like, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not the most most well-run company, we all know that. So, like, wanting to get out of there, I wouldn't blame anybody. But I, I think that this is probably more likely in response to the restructuring than it is, like people in the company hating it like it might suggest but sure anyways that i think is it. because because since tabata left i think people are maybe because his was a little more unexpected and um mm. i i think once one high profile person leaves you just kind of assume that if more people follow that it's for the same reason but yeah. that that's not necessarily always the case yeah uh, Sherry9x9 says, on a side note, loved your Terranigma video. Thank you. Glad you liked it. Sick. Um, so. YouTube did not like it. <laughs> yeah, YouTube freaking boned freaking me on that video. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's why we're on Twitch. <clears throat> uh, okay, so here's the thing. It's time to get into the main topic. Uh, what makes a console... I had a hard time, um wording this so i'll try and clarify it now we originally what case and i had written was what makes a console era truly great 
Right. But I felt like that included like all of the consoles of an entire like generation or era. Right? Yeah, I kind of that's what I had kind of felt. I was like trying, the 80s, the 90s, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to say what makes a console itself like it's its own sure. life cycle makes it like actually great. How, what, so not like, not like the generation. Not the whole generation, but that but the console itself. company's yeah. generation. <laughs> Sony's okay. PS1 generation, Nintendo's N64 generation. That's kind of more what I was thinking, right? So I titled the video, What Makes a Console Truly Great? But that will also have connotations about the hardware side of things. Like, how does that factor in? And it does. It definitely does. Like, the console's... Um, like you know the 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 N64's introduction of the analog stick, um, yeah, yeah. The Dreamcast having a display on the controller first, you know, um, that sort of evolving into what eventually went into the Wii U, which was not completely executed right until they got to the Switch. So and, you know the Wii with motion controls and how that affected the industry for many years. All of those things count. I'm not discrediting that. I'm just also not factoring it into this discussion because when all is said and done, regardless of the console's tech, <coughs> I feel like the games, the game library, uh, the innovation in terms of like developers, uh, what, what types of games they're making, what ideas they have that are fresh for that generation that ultimately is going to be what a console is remembered for unless they don't have a strong library if it has a if it didn't have a strong library then i think people will look back on the tech and be like oh that was a gimmick and that like that you know that was the reason why or one of the reasons why developers wouldn't you know port to that console because the hardware and because it was weird for these controls or you know talking about like the wii specifically um if people aren't going to remember it for its games, then they'll remember it for its tech and being a gimmick or being weird or whatever, right? So yeah. I'm discrediting that from my system, from the formula that I have set up to establish like a a measure of an objective measure of like. How do we actually grade or rank these consoles? Now, people will probably disagree with the methodology I used or, or think I should have included something more. If you feel that way, feel free to let me know that in the chat or in the comments later. We can perfect this, right? This is just a first draft, a first attempt at <laughs> trying this out. Yeah. But there are four criteria that I set <clears throat> All of them are based on software but four criteria that I set up to judge a console, uh, its legacy. So here are here they are. And I feel like these are pretty lofty, so it's not like all of them are going to be able to be all-time greats, right? It's like you have to have all four of these to be all-time great. If you have only three of them, yeah, it's a great console. If you have two of them, yeah, it's a, it's a good console. If you have one of them, yeah, it's just an average console. And if you have none, then it's like this is a below-average to bad console, mm -hmm. right? So, four criteria. Number one, does it have at least 50 good games? Now, the way that I am uh, defining a good game is that it, it, it received an eight or above con as a um, conglomerate from 
like all the critics, so like a Metacritic score or a game ranking score, I kind of go between the two because game rankings goes further back in the past. It goes back uh. to SNES. It goes back to some of the older games. And Metacritic only really goes back to like the PS1 era. Um, okay. So Metacritic or game rankings for major critics, if they gave it an 8 or above, or an 8, then it's considered a good game. And then users as well. So users and Met, uh, and critics have to both give it an 8 for it to be considered good. If it's below on either side of that, I have discredited it. It's not good. Mm. It's now average. Okay? If it, uh, So that's the first criteria. 50 good games. 25 great games. Now this means it's going to have above, above an 8.5 from at least one side. And a 9 from the other. So the users could give it a 9, but then the critics have to give it at least an 8.5. Okay. Or the other round, the critics give it a 9 or above, and the, the users have to at least give it an 8.5. Uh, so a random consider. guy asks an important question. Do the games have to be exclusive or not? Okay, so that's the next criteria. Okay. So 50 <laughs> good games, 25 great games, and the next criteria is 10 great exclusives. So it has to be exclusive to the console, mm. and it has to have a 9 from one side and an 8.5 from the other side. <laughs> 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 okay. Microsoft suffered on this on this side of things. Yes, for sure. yes. Unfortunately for them, that's just then, not their it's not their shtick. The fourth criteria, the or yeah, the fourth and final <clears throat> criteria is it has to have five all-time great games, games that will be remembered forever as being like one of the best, considered in like top ten lists or top twenty-five lists. Five. It has to have five of them. one single console needs to have five. Has to have five all-time great games. You have no okay. idea how easy how easy that actually is. <laughs> Nintendo okay. we'll almost see. always fulfills that criteria by yeah, themselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you determine what an all-time great game is? Okay, so an all-time great has to have nine or above on both sides. Okay. Now, I was a, a tad bit lenient on this if it was like, oh, the critics gave it a 9.5 and the users gave it an 8.9. Right? If it's okay. like 8.9, it's like basically a 9. I would sometimes right. include those. And vice versa. If it was like a 9.5 from the critics and it was like an 8.4 on the user side, it's like, I'm still considering that a great. And there are some games that are considered all-time greats. Something like, say, Dark Souls. Like, I think most people would agree that's going to be remembered for freaking ever. It was a right. gigantic, huge, global <laughs> phenomenon success. So I'm going to include that, even though there are lots of users who get frustrated with that game and rate it bad because they're not good at the game. And they, they get frustrated because <laughs> okay, they die a lot. Okay, that's actually a fair point, yeah. So I've taken those things into account. So, like, if Dark Souls fell below an 8.5 for the users, I users I'm discrediting on that one, right? So there are some games that are going to be outliers that I we all know are all-time greats. So I've taken all that into consideration, and here are, we'll talk about them one by one. So I'll just start with, let me do this. Let's start with the, now I'll start with the, the really old ones because a lot of times I couldn't find even any game ranking scores on these. So these are almost kind of discredited because we just don't have the data for it. So the NES and the Sega Master System. I'm not going back to the freaking Atari. Like, the Atari is not an all-time great console. I hope we can agree on that. <laughs> okay? The Commodore well, yeah, 64 sure. and, like, stuff before the NES era. 
ColecoVision. I'm 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 just we're not talking about that today. Okay? Yeah. Like games back then were really really basic. So you know, trying to like make a comparison between the Super Nintendo or even like the PlayStation 2 and games on the Atari and like say, yeah, this was an all-time great freaking, I don't know, asteroid on Atari or <laughs> you know, uh what is it? Uh uh Galaga, not Galaga. Uh, the one where the aliens are coming down your little ship and you shoot up. Yeah, but I can't remember what it's called. Bat, I, I bat, you said asteroid. I don't know. No, asteroid's not the. But uh, I think it starts with B. Anyway, someone will know. I can't. There remember. are some like Pac-Man. You know, they're definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Tetris. There are definitely some all-time greats. But space I invaders. Just, <laughs> space invaders. That's the one I'm thinking of. But. Yeah. I mean, it's just not its not a fair comparison to have the Atari going up against, like, games when they really came into their own in the in the late 80s and early mid-90s and then, you know, beyond. So, it, yeah. they just, it's just, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe you can make, anyone out there can make a freaking argument for the Atari or any other console released before the NES. Feel free. But I just, I really don't think we can compare that. Okay. Okay, uh, Fuse Bro, subscribe for two months. Thank you. Thanks, Fuse Bro. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing Appreciate that. Appreciate it. The NES. Uh, does it have 50 good games? That's debatable. <laughs> it really depends on if you can go back and enjoy stuff. I know Kaysen has a harder time with that, right? NES, um, I, I, NES I, I, I get less out of enjoyment out of NES games than NES. NES. I, it's true. It's true. I... I grew up with it because <clears throat> I didn't have, like I said, a Super Nintendo. So I had the NES for many, many, many years. Yeah, I had and... the NES for a while, but I wasn't very good. Like, and by so, the time I got good at games, we had the Super Nintendo. <laughs> and so, it for me, I would say, does that 50 good games? That's harder. But 25 great games, I could make a case for that. But I think that a lot of people would would have a hard time going back to play those 25 that I considered great. <laughs> Um, but I can say for sure that it has 10 great exclusives and then five all time greats like super Mario brothers and especially super Mario brothers three, three, that, that game is still to this day, like bar none, far and away my favorite Mario game that's ever been made. Um, we're talking about 3d Mario versus 2d Mario. I think that's, you know, more fair because they're pretty different, right? So, but, but I'll, I'll classify that as my favorite 2D Mario game. But Mario 3 is probably my favorite platformer of all time. Yeah, I love that good. game. They um, also have Pun- like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest yeah. and all that. So I've got Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest on there. I like going back and playing the NES version of Final Fantasy. There are a lot of yeah. other people who will say, oh, it's so grindier. Um, there are those enemies that can like stone your entire party. I think they're called, I can't remember what they are, cockatrices in certain dungeons. And they'll just like erase just kill you in one turn (laughs) like there's definitely some old school annoyances there really high encounter rates but i like genuinely enjoy playing the original nes version of final fantasy there's and i didn't grow up with it either i didn't have that game growing up my first final fantasy game was ff7 so i Mm. i can go back and play final fantasy with more enjoyment than i can go back and play the legend of zelda on the nes oh yeah so yeah. I just genuinely think it's a really well-made game. Um, you got Contra, you got Castlevania, you got Ninja Gaiden, 
Um, Ninja Gaiden's cutscenes are freaking sweet, by the way. If you guys haven't yeah. played those NES ones, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> freaking <they> sick <laughs> cutscenes on the NES, man. Revolutionary, way ahead of their time. Um, the Legend of Zelda Punch Out was is one of my all time favorite games. I I adore that game, um, and yeah. I think that's one that you, that anyone can play. I mean, you don't have to like get past the NES's old tech or design. Like Punch Out's just a good game, and I think it's be- partly because it was designed for arcades first. Oh so, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's got kind of that arcadey feel to it, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. So I would mm-hmm. argue for certain that the NES has five all-time greats and ten great exclusives. So I would classify it, since the other two are debatable, as a good console. It gets two out of the four criteria. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like that sounds about right. Um, I'm questioning... So how do you determine... So is this too far back for any of the scoring to factor in for a more objective, like did it have 50 good games or not? I can't find scores. There aren't like, yeah, um, yeah scores for the games. You'd have to rely Maybe. on something like Famitsu, or I don't even know if they existed. Jeez. Yeah, that that's what, what I'm saying. What existed? <laughs> I think Famitsu uh, did exist because I know Sakaguchi uh, was able to get an interview with them, but I don't know if they did scores. Maybe they did, but th- he mm. did an interview with them for Final Fantasy, and that helped him like uh, build some hype around the game. For the first, so that would have been 1987 at least. But okay, so they did exist at that point. Okay, um, I mean that sounds about right. I, I would assume that they. It, I would assume that it fulfills all four criteria. <laughs> that would just be my like base assumption in terms yeah. of my personal. Because I had, gosh, I had so many games on that console. Mm. I had, I had probably about 50 games. But I was so young, man, and I don't go back and play those games like you do. Like, I'll go back and play SNES, but I don't go back and play NES, so I don't know how good they actually were, but I enjoyed playing a ton of games on that that system. Well, I'll tell you what, like, that's kind of why I was, I I left those two as debatable, because if you're, if you're asking me, who played a lot on the S, uh, on the NES, I would say it's a no-brainer that the, it fulfills those two criteria. It also had a right. ton of really bad games. There's no question. No, oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Because, See, and there's no balance for that. There's no way that you yeah. can account for how many bad games a console had and just bring the score down. I don't know. Uh, a couple of questions here. Lego Dog says, so is this based on how the consoles are now? I'm not sure what mm. you mean specifically. Uh, so that, I but... think I know what he means here. So back in the past, um, a little back, he says, what about... Um, Oh yeah, how Cuphead is coming to the Switch now? Um, he said, "I'm assuming so I would... we're talking about consoles at the time and not as they are today. Certain exclusives, limited exclusives, became available." Yes, I accounted for exclusives that eventually were no longer exclusives. So Cuphead would okay. not be considered an exclusive to the Xbox. Okay, so even a limited exclusive is still that's good enough yeah. to say this was at. This was an exclusive for this. No, console. no. So I don't count Resident Evil you 4, don't. for example, as an exclusive to the GameCube. I don't count. Okay. It. Okay. Because it was. What about what about um like later? Oh, he also brings up a uh, Persona 5 coming out on the PS3 and the PS4. Yeah. So I didn't count it as an exclusive. Okay. Even though it was exclusive to Sony, right? Yes, but it's still not exclusive because it's on multi-platform. Because if, if I did that, because if I did that, I would be I would be doing Last of Us twice. Last that's of Us kind on the PS4, PlayStation 3, asked. and Last... Yeah. So I, di- I didn't include a game sure. that... 
I or or if it came out on a like it, it very definitively came out on the PlayStation Three. So I counted The Last of Us as an exclusive for the PlayStation Three. I did not count it for the PlayStation Four. Okay. Right. So it it only it only counted on one console as an exclusive. Sure. Cuphead is different because it was on the same at least console generation that it was ported. Yeah, it wasn't like later, like way yeah. later. Like the, the going from the PlayStation 3 to be remastered on the PlayStation 4 is a different story. I counted it on the PS3, not on the PS4, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh what about something like Breath of the Wild being on the Wii U and the Switch? I counted it on the Switch, not on the Wii U. Okay. And I would say probably the same for Persona 5 that you would count it for the PS4, not the three. Because yes. it was the fourth generation that it came out. Just actually, I think you're right. I think I did it count all PS4. Ported to the three or whatever. Okay. I think I ca- I think I counted that for PS4. Now I think about it. Anyways, okay. I ca- cool. I accounted that's, for that for the that's most. That's what part. he's wondering about. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. So, anyways, back to the NES. Um. But there are some games, like I said, that I can go back and play that are timeless. Uh, I would include Punch-Out in that. I would include Super Mario Bros. 3 in that. Like, you don't have to get past the old graphics or past the technology or the controls of the time. Those games are responsive. They play really well. They are amazing games. You know, there there are others where it's like, uh, let's say The Legend of Zelda. I think this is more of a debatable game in terms of people being able to go back and enjoy it today, right? Sure, sure. Is, Is its cryptic nature it's like cryptic nature like not knowing what to do or where to go and that was you had to rely on manuals back then to sort of like give you hidden information and like give you hints and stuff right and you don't have the manuals today so i would still count the legend of zelda although i don't personally love it as an all-time great game i think it's un it's not debatable (laughs) but it is yeah but I think that that's a game that a lot of people today would disagree about. So to, to answer the other, again, to Lego Dog's question, I'm considering that as an all-time great, even though today, looking back on it, I might not consider it one of the best games ever made. It doesn't matter what I think. This is meant to be You've more You've got objective. to measure its influence on yes. other games. Yeah. But I am a huge fan of Crystallis, which is a Zelda-like but more or like action RPG. And mm-hmm. I feel like that game is like far and away better than the legend of Zelda. It does not get enough recognition, but Crystallis for me is an all time great. I did not put it on here because nobody knows about Crystallis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it for sure goes into the 10 great exclusives uh, section. So there are games like that on the NES that are that good. Even now, that that okay. play as well as any Super Nintendo game, in my opinion. Crystallis, I think, plays even better than Secret of Mana does. Like Secret mm-hmm. of Mana has some issues with like hit detection and like a long pause where you slice the sword, but you don't know if it hit it because this the enemy was sort of for a moment in like an in, uh, in, in an iframe or where it's invincible after it had been struck the first time, and then like <laughs> after like two or three seconds, the number pops up and it dies. Like. There's some funkiness and clunkiness to Secret of Mana um, that, like, games like Crystallis were just, like, freaking, like, absolutely perfectly responsive and just feel super good still to play. So, I'm classifying the NES as good because it's just, we don't have the data available to say that it had 25 great games and 50 uh, good games. So, 
let's I'll, I'll just skip the sega master system for the same reason there's no there's no data for this sure, sure. <laughs> okay moving into the next one the super nintendo this is a no-brainer yeah obviously it's an all-time great console we don't even have to freaking like talk about it that much 50 good games <laughs> absolutely 25 great yeah. games absolutely again the criteria for this has to have an eight from critics and from the users there are no user scores on the snes but People remember the console fondly. They don't grade them on the user side as harsh, the older games. Yeah, those tend to be higher. As they do the new games. So this was a little bit of an issue user score-wise for like the modern-day consoles because people try to tank the scores on purpose. So you have to take it with a grain of salt in the modern day. But for the older games, they're nicer to them. But there are no user scores on the Super Nintendo. So this is just, just going on game rankings. But uh, 50 new games, absolutely. 25 great games, absolutely. 10 great exclusives, absolutely. And some of the, yep. the all-time greats on this are Super Metroid, absolutely. Mario World, <laughs> Chrono um, Trigger, Final Fantasy III, Donkey Kong Country, Mario, Mario RPG, World 2, Mario Mario RPG. World 2, Terra Enigma. I mean, it's just endless. Final there's Fantasy, there's yeah, way more than five. Way more than five all-time great games on the Super Nintendo. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with us. I don't think anyone's going to try and make a case against the Super Nintendo. <laughs> it's the golden age of gaming, especially 2D gaming. Yeah. Um, now, the Sega Genesis. Um, now, this is where I'm going to rely a little bit on people who grew up with the Genesis, because I did not. But I find it it was a little harder to... I mean, it has some all-time greats, for sure. It definitely fulfills that category. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2, Fantasy Star 4, Shining Force. But, like, Golden Axe, is that considered an all-time great? I have it. I enjoyed it. I enjoy it sometimes. Do people consider that, like, an all-time great game, Golden Axe? I think so. I don't know. The only reason they would would be if it innovated something in the 2D multi-level fighting system. I I don't think it did. I think that had been done before. So, um, probably not. But I can't remember which games came first and if Golden Axe came before, you know, other games of that type. <laughs> so some, are, some random guy is saying, I personally love Golden Axe, but vastly prefer Streets of Rage. That's another one I, I put a question go. mark Streets next to. Is Streets of Rage considered an all-time great game? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know. Same, same thing with Shinobi. I, I enjoy playing those games. I really, truly enjoy playing those games. Because, like, Shinobi 3 is considered, yeah. like, the best Shinobi game. But, like, is Shinobi it 3 is super good. an all-time... I, I don't hear people talk about it that way, is all I'm saying. Like, you That's don't... Question. You don't hear people talking about Golden Axe and Shinobi and Beyond Oasis and Streets of Rage, but you do hear people talking about... Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy Star Three, yeah. Star Fox, and you hear people talking about those. Now, is yeah. this just a, a matter of the fact that they're but but they were pretty even. This the Sega Genesis and the Super yeah, Nintendo had a pretty, they had an even market share. Yeah. Now I would say something like uh, Mortal Kombat would definitely be there. Of course, that was multi-plat, but. Mortal Kombat is an all-time great, and it was on the Sega Genesis. Street Fighter 2 was an all-time great, and that's definitely on the Sega Genesis. So it it has enough easily to to clear the five all-time greats. And probably the ten great... Well, ten great exclusives, yes. Because we have Shinobi, we have uh, Fantasy Star, we have Sonic, we have 
Golden Axe, Beyond Oasis. It definitely has enough. Uh, we're multiple uh, Sonic games. Sonic and Tails was super fun as well. So Shine, Shining Force, Shining Force. Um, yeah. There's definitely some really great exclusives to the Sega Genesis. So it's definitely going to clear the ten. Um, now getting into the twenty-five great and fifty good. I don't know. I'm going to have to rely on the people in the chat because we're we're already at least at a good status for the Sega Genesis. The the, yeah. the Super Nintendo's at an all-time great. Sega Genesis, I just don't know. If people can... Castlevania Bloodlines, I did see that. Huh. Ca- comparable to the Castlevania, the Super Nintendo Castlevania, in my opinion. Well, Castlevania played. Bloodlines, I- I'll give it that one. Because those huh. old Castlevania games are freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy Star 2, as well as for... Um, Gunstar Heroes is amazing. I've never yeah, heard of that. Of Gunstar Heroes. I don't remember that game. Comics no. Zone, I've never heard of that. Gabriel, I yeah, Shining Force, I brought that one up. That's an all-time great for sure. Yeah. I didn't do my homework yet. Do I have detention? Uh, no, I'm the only one who did the homework in this entire class. So, <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is, is that it was hard for me to say because I didn't grow up with the Sega Genesis. My friend had it. Yeah. I did not. So I have not personally played a ton of these games. So I can't speak for them. But I, I've, I, like, I, like I'm saying... I know Golden Axe is a beloved game, and I have dabbled with it, and it's fun. But it I just don't know if it was considered an all-time great. I would definitely say it's it's a great exclusive, so it fits into that category. It fits sure. into the tw- one of the twenty-five greats. But does it? Can you can you list off twenty-five like really great? This would if we had game rankings back then, or if we had uh, Metacritic, this would have gotten a nine and like an eight point five from the users type of level type of game. Can you name 25 of those for the Sega Genesis? I can't. So I can't say. I can't judge the Sega Genesis because I don't know. I would say it's probably easily got 50 good games, though. So it's at least got three of the checks. So it's it's either great or it's an all-time great, depending on if people can say definitively it had 25 great games. And they can make a good case for that. It it like I said, it had an equal market share with the Super Nintendo, so people loved it. It's a beloved console that people really loved, and yeah. so it had to have some great games. But did it have twenty five of them that were like at an elite level? <laughs> That's the only question I have about the Sega Genesis. Okay, while you guys think about that, <laughs> let's let's move on to a big one for me. This is the PlayStation One and the and the N sixty four era. I yeah. think it's totally non-controversial to say the PS1 is quite possibly the greatest console of all time. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. terms of the volume of amazing games that it had. I mean, it was just incredible. I think the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation 1 are probably the two at the top. They fight for yeah. top position, in my opinion. But, I mean, it was... I didn't really... It was just so easy to check all of these. 50 good games has like probably like 500 good games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 25 great games, it probably has 100 great games. Yeah. Um, 10 great exclusives, absolutely. Uh, some of the all-time greats from the PlayStation 1, Final Fantasy 7 and 9, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil, Vagrant Story, Gran Turismo 2, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Tekken 3, Soul Reaver, Crash 3. Now remember, these are games that have nines from both the critics and the users. Yeah. Nines are higher. 
And th that, that was just a few. I didn't even like put them all down. <laughs> That's already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games that are all time great games. So the PS1 just like blows out of the ceiling way into the stratosphere, like so easily checks every single box. PS1 was amazing. Now, what was hard for me to swallow was the N64. And this is what's hard for me about this is that, and this is where I'm going to have a little bit of a debate to, to make with my own system that I created. To you want to make an exception? <laughs> it's just, it's because it's just a volume exercise. It's not a quality. It's not a quantitative or qualitative thing. It's a quantitative thing. Exactly, only. It's just exactly. it's just a volume problem. And it's just because it was so expensive to make games for the 64, all the devs fled and went to the PS1 and made all their games on PS1. Yeah. But the quality of the games were really, really high on the N64. Uh, as far as all-time greats, Ocarina of Time is debatably the best game ever made. It is right. definitely the highest rated game of all time. Um, I think the only one that beat it out on game rankings is Mario Galaxy. Um, but but uh, on Metacritic, I think it's still the highest rated game of all time. Um, GoldenEye, Majora's Mask, Mario 64, Paper Mario, Banjo-Kazooie, Star Fox 64, tons of great, like all-time great level sort of games. And exclusives are easy for Nintendo. They always have oh. at least 10 great exclusives. So yeah. great, a great exclusive, again, a great game means a nine or a higher from, from critics and an 8.5 from users or the reverse. And a higher than a 9 for the users, 8.5 or higher for the critics. So easily check that. Now, 25 great games, I only found 14. 14 mm. total great games that have a 9, or, a 9 or above or an 8.5 on the other side. Hmm. Um, and there are some games I would consider great that I had to leave off of that, like Harvest Moon. Oh, um, dang. Like Harvest Moon to me is an all-time great. But oh, according to the objective criteria, I can't classify it as such because mm. I think it has like an eight eight point three from critics and something like an eight from users. So it's a good game. It fits into the thirty seven good games, but it does not reach fifty, and it had fourteen, not twenty five. Great. So it actually. Oof. Oh wait a minute! I actually got that wrong. It it checks out for two of them. I said average, and it's actually good. Um. So, well, okay, nice. I, I don't have to make it's quite a, a hard argument for it anymore. <laughs> I don't have to make quite as hard an argument for it anymore. Go ahead. Yeah, the all-time greats and the exclusives, right? So Yes. It checks so got the those top. two. Yeah. So, again, these are really high standards. <laughs> the criteria are very, very high. It's, it's, not, it's difficult to become an all-time great within this system that I've made. Sure. But... The quality of those all-time greats, to me, is higher than, say, the GameCube, right? Mm, which but, had technically more games. Right? But the GameCube, according to my criteria, is an all-time great console, which surprised me. Really? Whoa. Yes. I can't wait to get into that. It, it surprised me that it met all four criteria. The GameCube wow. did. But the N64 didn't. But that being said, I think mm. its games were, its best games were better. Than yes, the GameCube's sure. best games. So quality versus quantity, yeah. So it's hard for me to not say it's at least great just from the, like, freaking, uh, but, but okay, I could also be pretty biased on this because yes. <laughs> I jumped, 
I jumped from the NES to the N64. So you can yeah. imagine for me, like having not played Mario World and Link to the Past and Chrono Trigger when they were new, and then going from any literally NES punch out for probably a decade of time <laughs> to playing like Ocarina of Time. It was just like, yeah. what? on earth has happened to video games in this time that I've been out of the loop. You know what I mean? So for me, there was such a huge jump there and that, that was part of it. But I remember like Diddy Kong racing. I remember like all these games that just had this, this charm. There was an element that is like intangible to N64 games that, I mean, I loved the GameCube. I have more GameCube games than any other library that I have. Oh, wow. I I have quite a few Wii games. I have quite a few uh, PlayStation Three games, um, but I have more GameCube games by quite a lot than any other <laughs> console. So I liked the GameCube, and I played a lot of games on the GameCube. But the N sixty four, there was some special kind of quality to its really really good ones. That I don't know. Like, is there anything like Ocarina of Time? After it, you know, like Majora's Mask was pretty different. The the yeah, three yeah. Zelda games have all kept in line with similar design concepts and some some similar musical themes are there. But there's nothing really that felt like Ocarina of Time ever again. You know what I mean? Not Mario really, 64's no. the 3D Mario games that came after it do not feel like Mario 64. Like not they are <laughs> really unique because they were sort of finding their way into like this 3D development realm. And there are certain things that they just didn't keep doing <laughs> that, you know, because it's like, oh, this is a little clunky, but there's almost a level of charm to it that is missing in, in perhaps the more technically polished follow-ups to those games i don't know what you think about that interesting no i think you have a point there i would i would say breath of the wild but not because of look it's more the mechanics of that game that really um pulled me in as opposed to um you know the look like ocarina of time is just the way the game looks the way it felt to play it it just yeah, I haven't felt anything like that since, especially not even not in a Zelda game uh, specifically. Um, and in terms of Mario, I mean, you definitely have a point. They haven't even really tried to remake yeah. something similar and to like Mario sixty four. Like Mario and, Odyssey is the closest thing. It's the closest. Like, it is. It still doesn't like Mario. It, it's kind of like Mickey Mouse. Like if you go back and watch Mickey Mouse cartoons yeah. from early, Mickey Mouse had an attitude to yeah. him. And now he's this cuddly, cute, family-friendly character, and they'll never break away from that pers- that personification nope. of the nope. character again. He'll never be the guy who's like the troublemaking, like you know, like slapping people and like dumping, like you know, like playing pranks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not quite as strong a contrast as that. But Mario sixty four has a different attitude. I'll call it. Than any Mario today, which is more corporatized personification, yeah. more consistent in everything he's in, where you didn't have that same consistency of the presentation of Mario's character back before like the modern console era, which I think well, I would say began with like the GameCube and PS2 forward. 
Yeah. Like it, Mario became super consistent in look and feel starting yeah, on the he, GameCube. I mean, you just look at Super Mario RPG and it's like Yeah. Like the way Mario looks in that game, that is not the Mario design that we know today. And if you go back, even in like the artist renditions on the cover of the old games, like Super Mario World or Mario Brothers 3, it, they were still, or even the cartoon that came out, like they were still kind of feeling their way. But after like the late 90s, basically, they were like, hey, this is Mario. This is what he looks like. And they've been consistent with that ever since. Right. A couple, uh, couple chats here from Lego Dog. He says, I'd argue the NES yeah. and the N64 were both trendsetters. But the yes. SNES and GameCube were perfections of what the previous console did, so it makes sense to me. I call yeah. the SNES and the GameCube sure. to be the two golden eras, Nintendo's two golden eras. So this doesn't doesn't really surprise me. And you know, I was a little bit surprised on the GameCube because I remember it being lambasted at the time. I remember how yeah. badly it was talked PS2, about. PS2, it, it seemed to be lacking in some ways. But I think the GameCube is remembered really fondly, which oh, yeah, has absolutely. been interesting for yeah. me. People remember the GameCube fondly. They didn't like it at the time it was out. Yeah. But I loved it. And so, like, yeah, it is interesting how this this kind of, like, criteria that I set into this has sort of aligned pretty well with I, with, with what I think people generally see them or remember them as being yeah. great or whatever. Because people will, I, I, the entire reason I put this as a topic for the podcast was because we had been talking about this on a previous podcast, and I got into a little bit of a debate with someone in the comments about whether the N64 was a great console or not, right? And he was like debating how the PlayStation 1 was so much better. I was like, I'm not arguing that the PlayStation 1 wasn't better. It's obviously better. But I still think the N64 is a great console. But when I set up like this extremely lofty, criteria for it the playstation one blasts it out the door <laughs> has absolutely no issue and the n64 struggles with yeah. quantity to like really like fill all of those criteria so yeah. by that standard it's a good console not a great console and that guy was right so it's interesting but i still yeah. think that it's great games were so great like we've been saying there was such a unique intangible charm to them that for me personally I'm not giving it a great because objectively I'm going to call it good. But for me personally, it at least elevates it a little bit above that into the great category. But that's just me. Sure. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next era. Let's start with GameCube, which did surprise me as an all-time yeah, great. Wild, dude. Five all-time greats. Here's just some of them. Metroid Prime, Resident Evil 4. I put Twilight Princess on there because it's a nine from the users. And a 9.5, I think, from the credits. So it, it technically is constitutes as one. However, there is a debate there whether or not it's going to be remembered as one of the very best Zelda games or one of the very best games of all time. There are a lot of people who don't like Twilight Princess, or at least the, hmm. the, the, the smaller, the, the, the vocal minority on Twilight Princess are louder than yeah. a lot of other vocal minorities. So Perfect. that one I will leave as debatable, but even without that, Wind Waker, Smash Melee, Resident Evil... Uh, f uh, that's the remake of Resident Evil 1. So that one I counted because even though it's the same game as the PlayStation 1 Resident Evil, it's not the same game if you've played the two. <laughs> yeah. um, but Pikmin 2 and there were a couple of others I didn't leave on here. So it, it fills the five. 
probably not quite as easily as the N64 did or the PlayStation 1 did, but it fulfills the five. Ten great exclusives easily. Again, Nintendo has a very easy time with that. But the 25 great games, that's the one that I was like, I don't know if it's going to fulfill that. But it did. And that wow. means, again, a nine from one side, 8.5 from the other side, at least. And it, it had 25 and 50 good games. So I don't know. Like The GameCube era uh, was actually not bad in terms of third party. Yeah, we, um, we did have a ton of games for that console. Yeah. Like, this was the last time that Nintendo's hardware was in line with its competition. Exactly, yeah. So, graphics-wise... So the GameCube was, I think, technically more powerful than the PlayStation 2. Yes, it was. Discs stored less data. They were smaller than the PS2 discs, right? And so, even though the system was faster, it could it could run things better there you couldn't fit as much data to run on the smaller discs so yeah. larger larger large scale games weren't as doable on the gamecube as the ps2 uh rob says mike is arguing numbers like a modern squeenix manager it's not all numbers mike I, I i i'm assuming that you're uh joking there but um from a scientific objective point of view that's really all you can do <laughs> trying to bring up statistics you have to measure things if you're going to compare them <laughs> and having a fair system of measurement is really the only way that you can have a discussion about this fairly so yeah it is what it is um but uh no like the prince of persia trilogy for instance were three really interesting third party like multi-plat games that came out during that time and nintendo used to get those right yeah and this is a a time, the last time when Nintendo got third-party multi-plat games that were the same, virtually the same as all the other consoles got. Like the sports games and everything, yeah, they were the same. So, uh, anyways, the GameCube had a fairly substantial library. It wasn't until the end of the GameCube's life cycle that it stopped getting those third parties because it just didn't have the install base anymore. So yeah. they had they had some games that came out later, multi-plat games that came out later, only for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox that the GameCube didn't get. But for the, the beginning to the mid-level of its life cycle, it usually got the same games the other ones did. So which is why I think it had the volume to hit the 50 and the 25 number. Nice, nice. Um, now the PlayStation 2, which is also an all-time great easily, Yes. <laughs> the place this was this was Sony's era. These two console generations in a row. Yeah, one and two. They freaking owned it really, really hard. Um, the PlayStation Two is still to this day the highest selling console of all time. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that even remotely comes close is the Nintendo DS. But DS I, again, yeah. because of how long it took to put this together and check all this, I I am not including handheld. portable and handheld <laughs> consoles. Right. Yeah. If you want to do it, if you want to set this up by the same criteria and like go and find all those review scores and like search all that and count all that up, be my freaking guest. It, it took a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. Yeah. And I didn't. I wasn't able to do it for everything. But if you want to do that, feel free. Send me a freaking like a uh, uh, spreadsheet or whatever with all of your data. This is just a conversation starter more than anything else. But yeah. some of the all-time greats on the PS2, uh, Resident Evil Four. Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas, Metal Gear Solid 3, Okami, 
Final Fantasy X, Shadows of the Colossus, uh, Kulanoa II. So these are games that, again, had nines on both sides, right? So fantastic games on PS2. Easily checks everything else. I don't think there's really much to say. Not really. I mean, great um, console. One of the best ever. So what? it's up there with SNES, GameCube, PS1, and mm-hmm. PS2. Those are the all-time so far, right? Yep. And I, as far as I am seeing here, those are the only ones. The only ones that actually Ooh. reached all-time great status are oh. the PlayStation 1 and 2 and the Super Nintendo and the GameCube. Those are the only four home consoles that reached that elite status of being considered an all-time great. So let me guess the Xbox um, doesn't quite... <laughs> oh, I should probably talk about Xbox. I forgot about it. <laughs> well, Xbox, we got Halo and Fable. The X- they had- Fable was an exclusive, right? Fable wasn't exclusive, but it was not an all-time great. Oh, okay. It, it, it does fall into the 10 great... Actually, it might not have. It might have been too low. Oh, man. Side. I thought that game was revolutionary. Didn't yeah, they but have Field Republic? The, yes, it did. That's an all, I think I included that as nice. one of the 10 great exclusives. But I don't think it fell into all-time great because it wasn't a 9 on both sides. Okay. Huh. Um, Anyways, the Xbox... Uh, that's Xbox 360, sorry. I'm on the wrong one. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic did fall into all-time great. I did include that one. Okay, nice. Okay, so the Xbox actually scored average. Hmm, sounds um, about right. It had Halo... At least, late, at least like mid-generation. So it didn't have the, the opportunity to build up the library that the other ones had. Yeah. It had Halo, Knights of the Old Republic, Soul Calibur 2, and Half-Life 2 as the only four all-time greats that I could find. There were only four games on the Xbox that had nines on both sides. And mm-hmm. I think I even fudged that a bit for Knights of the Old Republic. I think Knights of the Old Republic was like an 8.9 from the users uh. or something. So I struggled to find five all-time greats on the Xbox One. I think that Half-Life 2 and Halo are the true, the two truly all-time great games on that console that will be remembered forever. Knights mm-hmm. of the Republic, I think, is close and same with soul Calibur 2 but i don't know i don't know like in the greater conversation you're gonna have a lot of people putting soul Calibur 2 on their top 10 lists you know what i mean like i just don't see that knights of the republic because we didn't count that for the gamecube for instance i counted it as a great but not as an all-time great yeah exactly um in terms of 10 great exclusive or 10 great exclusive i don't found five for the xbox this is where the Xbox, Microsoft in general, really struggles is with exclusives. Yep. Um, I only found 19 great games on the Xbox, but it easily passed the 50 good games. Okay. So it hits one out of the five criteria. Average. So, so it's an average console. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move into PS3, Wii, and Xbox 360. This one surprised me too. And again, because I think the Xbox 360 technically won that generation. It was very popular, but it really struggles with uh, exclusives and with all-time greats. But it had lots of great and good games on it. (laughs) And the volume of that, I think, at least for the American, North American audience, just like the the marketing for it was exactly right for the time. It was very good. Yeah, very good. Um, and, and so it beat the PS3 out in North America a little bit. But the PS3 I have as a great console. It has as all-time greats mm. The Last of Us, Red Dead Redemption, Uncharted 2, Bioshock, Demon Souls, and Dark Souls. Oh, wow. um, 
I could only find between seven and eight great exclusives, depending on how much you're willing to fudge down to 8.8 <laughs> mm. on, or, or I mean to 8.4 or 8.3 right. on like a user score. And again, we're getting more into the modern age where people try to tank the scores of games on the yeah, console they don't like. Hard. So I, I, I included, but I, still it did not get to 10 great exclusives on the PS3. The PS3 did not have exclusives the same way the PS2 and the PS1 did. Hmm. Um, it, it suffered a little bit there but easily surpassed the 25 greats and the 50 goods. So the PlayStation 3 is a great console. Okay. The I want to know about the Wii. The I'm Wii, really curious about the Wii <laughs> is average. Really? Yes. It had a ton, a ton of games. People were it trying to sure explore did. it. It like crazy. It, it only had three all-time greats. Can you believe really? that? Because I'm well, counting so twice... I'm counting Twilight Princess on the GameCube. Yes, that's true. So it well, has Mario, Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. Mario Galaxy. And Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade. That's it. There's no other games that have a 9 on both sides. You have like Metroid Prime 3 that's close. Oh, but that's I don't, right. The I don't think Metroid Prime 3 will be remembered like Metroid Prime. It's not no, the same. Not- not quite. So I didn't include it. But even if I had, it's only four. Yeah. So and Skyward Sword I guess, just doesn't make the cut. Skyward Sword is like an a, a, a seven point nine on user. It was whoa, not. It was whoa, not loved. Really? It was not loved by users. Oh, geez, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's. I loved it, but there are a lot of people who strongly dislike Skyward Sword. They don't like right. the controls. They don't like the design of going back to the same areas over and over again. They don't see like the diversity of level design. Oh, I thought it was how cool. brings up Wii Sports. You know now, what? As it's like, what's the deal with that game? That that's a game that will be remembered for a very long time. That basically you, every. This is one of those outliers that I think we should probably put on there because of its just sweeping, like, mega phenomenon level success. Well, and the Wii Fit is one of the highest selling games of all time. But they're not rated that high. They're not nines. It's true. It's true. And Smash Brothers Brawl is a pretty divisive game in the Smash community, and it was not rated uh, above nines on both sides. It was it was one of the great exclusives. It fits into the next category of ten great exclusives. The Brawl is definitely there, but yeah. it was not included in an all time great. I don't think that Brawl will be remembered as an all time great. I think especially not in the midst of all the other Smash Brothers. It'll be remembered think, as one of the worst. Yeah, I think so too. That's not, we're not saying it is the worst. We're saying it'll be remembered that way. It will be remembered remember below, I think, at the bottom of every Smash ever made. And, and here's the reason why I can confidently say that. Because yeah. I work for a company that, for a couple years, ran um, professional-level uh, Smash Brothers tournaments, where we had the best players in the world coming out to those tournaments to compete. And when in the process of, des- of deciding which Smash games we should have as sort of like side tournaments... Brawl was never even a consideration. There are not enough people who care about that game uh, on the competitive landscape to even like consider it. Yeah. it. Like we we if we had if we had put that one up for people to sign up for, we'd have had maybe a handful of people sign up for it. Versus people still signing up for like the N sixty four Smash Brothers to a pretty large extent. 
Okay. So like the, the the tournaments for the 64 version continue to be popular, but Brawl is dead. Completely dead. Nobody wants to play that on the competitive side of things. So the mega fans of that series don't consider Brawl to be all that great. What about things like New Super Mario Brothers? Um, that was, I think, part of the 25 great or maybe the t- no that was a good game because it, it was rated pretty lowly i think really? it was like a, like an eight point something lower than five by users users don't don't users don't love the new super mario brothers games that much <sighs> really and well, I, i've noticed that's true people are bringing up prandora's tower the last story muramasa and rayman origins you guys but you guys got to realize i know these that- will not be remembered <laughs> forever the last story was rated low. It was a good game. It was not, con- yeah. by my criteria of it needing to be a 9 on one side and an 8.5 on the other, the last story is not considered a great game, mm-hmm. both by users and by the critics. So it, it, it falls into the 50 good games, last story, even though I love the last story, right? I would consider it to be at least one of its 25 great games. But here's the problem. We don't have five all-time greats. We don't have ten great exclusives. This is the only Nintendo console... Well, actually, that's not true. Up till now, <laughs> it, oh, was no. the only, it was the only <laughs> Nintendo console that did not hit that mark. It only had seven great exclusives. And it only had 12 great games. To- 12 total great games, meaning nine or above on one side, 8.5 on the other. It only had 12. So the Wii had a lot of games that were good and that are i think remembered pretty fondly but not not high enough not well regarded enough to fit into any of these three categories at the top so it only hits one it only hits one criteria what is it about brawl that gets so much criticism says colin peluso uh tripping tripping is one is one part of it um smash brothers was not intended to be a hyper competitive level game Uh, it was not designed to be that way smash melee became that on accident um there are certain like control inputs where you can make your character move faster you can cancel out of animations and it became this very very fast-paced hyper competitive game but it wasn't designed to be that the players sort of like discovered glitches we'll call them that made it that way. So there was this growing scene of hyper-competitive Smash Melee play. In that way, I can definitively say Smash Melee is a lightning-in-a-bottle type of game where they didn't actually mean for it to be good in the ways that it was good. (laughs) But the music and like a lot of other elements of it I still consider to be the best in the series. So it had this special quality to it. It was just lightning in a bottle. And so the follow-up to that is always going to have problems with expectation. This is true of Final Fantasy VIII with Final Fantasy VII, right? But they also intentionally tried to slow the game down and introduce elements that made it less competitive, like the tripping. You can just be running and your character will randomly trip for no reason at all. Just will fall over. It doesn't happen all the time. It's rare, but it happens. It's a handicap. It levels the playing field, I guess. Yeah. So they tried to pull back from that image of it being a competitive fighting game and tried to make it more of a party game again. And that is the reason why the hardcore Smash fans don't love it as much. 
I'll just leave it at that. But as Lego Dog brings up Subspace Emissary, the adventure mode in Brawl is the most highly regarded adventure mode in the series. So people love that adventure mode a lot. Yeah. So that, at least on that side of things, it was good. And again, it fit into one of the 10 great exclusives. It just wasn't an all-time great. So it's still a great game, right? Yep. Anyways, let's move on from the Wii. It's average. Um, <clears throat> Xbox 360 is the one we have not done yet? Uh, No, I think we did all of them. Did we do I don't 360? Think we, did, we did, I don't think we did 360 yet. That's right, we did PS3. Okay, let's do it. So this is a good console. It hits two of the criteria. Easily hits 50 good games, easily hits 25 great games. Lots of multi-plat games were the best. They ran the best on the 360. Like all the Call of Duties is when Call of Duty exploded. Yeah. So the online experience for Call of Duty was way better on Xbox than it was on PS3. And so for that reason, I think the Xbox was the more popular console for online play, for online shooters, multi multiplayer games. The Xbox 360 thrived there. So it hits the 25 great games and 50 good games easily. It only has four great exclusives. Really? And uh, this would be like things like Halo 3. Um, I included uh, the orange box. And the reason I included the orange box is because Portal, right? It had Half-Life 2 in it as well. And it has a... What's that shooting game? Parker used to love that game. What is it? Yeah. Team Fortress? Yes, that's it. So Team Fortress and Portal, right? Yeah. Um, That's why I include the orange box as an exclusive, even though it includes Half-Life 2, which was an Xbox game. But Portal was a big deal. Right. So Hmm. Portal is, I mean, freaking phenomenal. All-time great game for sure. And Team Fortress 2, I think you could could possibly argue for that as well. And then Hmm. Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead, Uh, But Red Dead Redemption is not an exclusive. It was also on the PlayStation 3. So Hmm. it doesn't fit into those four great exclusive so it only hits two of the criteria it's good where so the playstation 3 was great the wii was average the xbox 360 was good so ps3 wins that generation objectively oh i forgot (laughs) to include some of the sega um like dreamcast so the saturn again i'm not super familiar with sega consoles but right. the Saturn, I could only find one game at all that ranked above a 90 on game ranking on game rankings. And that was Panzer Dragoon Saga. That was it. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> there was a couple of others that were close, like Shining Force 3, Knights into Dreams, Dragon Force. They were close, but none of them cracked a 90. So hmm. I don't even know if you can count Panzer Dragoon Saga, which most people never heard of as an all-time great game. So it quite possibly has zero all-time great games. <laughs> but it has four or five great exclusives, but not ten. Uh, and then again, I didn't have the data to check on the 50 goods and 25 greats, but I'm pretty sure it does not have the volume to hit 25 greats. If anything, it's average or below average. The Sega okay. Saturn. Dreamcast has a similar problem of of quantity. I found I have rankings on this one. This is tracked on uh, this generation forward was tracked on Metacritic. So the Dreamcast had forty one good games. The problem with with quantity doesn't quite hit the fifty. It had eight great games. So not even close to the twenty five number. It had zero great exclusives really remember 
a great game. I, I keep repeating myself, but a nine or an eight point five rating, and it has to be exclusive to the console. Zero. Okay. Uh, as far as as far as an all time great, Shenmue Two is the only one that had a ninety on both sides. <sighs> Shenmue One, I think a lot of people would probably put in there because it might be close, but um, Shenmue Two was the only one that technically had nines on both sides. So the Sega Dreamcast, unfortunately, is below average. Now I don't even like saying that because it was such a cool idea. It was a cool idea. The console itself was cool. Yeah, like the packs that you put in the controllers, but the, the, they displayed stuff on the, the little yeah. screen. The Dreamcast cool. was a cool idea. It just never took off, and so it didn't get the quantity it needed to really hit any of these. So because the Sega Dreamcast marketing side failed it a little bit, it ended up becoming a below-average console. Get that focus. <laughs> Come on. Work. All right. Okay, what are what are some people saying here? Um, so people are saying Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and Shinobi were the orange box compilation of their day. Um, mm. And I guess in reference to Sega Saturn. <clears throat> oh, so Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and Shinobi were part of like the same package in the same way the orange box had yeah, those other three games. I'm not. Is that? I, I I've never really heard that before. I thought Shinobi was kind of its own game. Anyway. Well, maybe they, maybe they packaged it at some point. Saturn, sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and people are just kind of talking like, yeah, Shenmue, of course. And Blue Stinger. Did you ever hear that game? Never heard of Blue Stinger. Me neither. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, there was like Skies yeah. of Arcadia, which was a great game on the on the uh, Dreamcast, but it wasn't exclusive. It was released on the GameCube as well. So, Yeah. Oh, and Anyways, some people yeah. were wanting Lost Odyssey on the Xbox 360 as a great, but, or as a, yeah, a great exclusive. Yeah. But I don't it, think... It, did, it didn't crack an all-time great. It's yeah. not rated high enough. Guys, understand. <laughs> there are a lot of games I would consider to be all-time greats that are not included on this because... They're just trying to be... A by, the, by the criteria, by the, the standard I've set, I can't include them, right? Yeah. It did not rate high enough to be considered an all-time great. <clears throat> okay. Okay, last console generation. We're up to the modern day. Here we go. Start with the PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4 is considered a good console. It meets the criteria for 50 good games. It meets the criteria for 10 great exclusives. It does not meet the criteria for 25 great games. Can you believe that? Really? It has only 18 so far. Now, it's not over yet. There's still some time, but I think the window's closing. We're getting pretty close to an announcement of the PlayStation 5. Yeah. So wow. it better it better get uh, seven great games here in the next year or so, which is possible. <laughs> we have um, we have Last yeah. of Us 2, yeah. uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima. Uh, yeah, Death Stranding, uh, the four, right? Death Stranding. Um, There's a number of pretty good games on the horizon. Final Fantasy 7 Remake, if it is that's, not. That's not going to be a great game. Let's be real. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> it's not going to be a 9 and an 8.5 or higher. It's not going to happen. There's no Probably, probably not. Uh, it does not have five all-time greats. The only ones I could find were God of War, the new one, The Witcher 3, and Bloodborne. Wow. In terms of both being 9s, and again, this is so hard because user scores today are total BS. I know, but, dude. People manipulate it now. 
but I was still being generous to the newer consoles and saying, I'll include an 8.8, I'll include an 8.9, I'll include maybe even 8.7 if I'm for sure that this, but like the new, um, the new From Software game, uh, 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 Sekiro, which is the same developer, the same developer of Bloodborne. It has an 8.1 user score. It's very low. Really? Wow. And I wonder if in part, I haven't played it, so I don't know. But I wonder if in part that's because it's not people maybe not be aware that it's made by the same people who made Dark Souls. So they're looking at it as like something different from that and like expecting it to be different. But it's like as hard as Dark Souls or Demon Souls was. But that being said, Demon Souls as being the first in the series was, I think, an 8.9 from users and an 8.9 from critics. Ah, okay. So like right. So I counted that because it's close enough. Yeah. But. I don't know, Sekiro is being rated pretty low by users, so it didn't get included. Lego Dog wants to know where Spider-Man and Persona 5 lie on this. Uh, so uh, Spider-Man was exclusive, one of the 10 great exclusives on PS4. Okay. Um, and what was the other game? Uh, Persona 5. Persona like- 5 was part of the 10 great exclusives. Okay, cool. On the PlayStation 4. Um, and I guess it would also be counted towards the one of the one of the 18 greats hmm. so they fit into these two categories but they are not all-time greats because they're not rated high enough for that <clears throat> um now whether or not persona 5 will be remembered that way i think is debatable and remains to be seen like yeah. we just don't know yet we have to we have to wait 10 15 years to see if people will look back on it that yeah. way it could be it could be but i don't know and so, at, at least at the moment, it's not rated high enough to fit that category. Okay, PS4 is good. And the Nintendo Switch, so far, is average. Yeah, and it sounds for, for the first For the first time in terms of the Nintendo... Actually, I didn't do the Wii U. Gotta do the Wii U. Oh, yeah, do the Wii U first. The Wii U is below average. Weird, <laughs> though. Yeah, the Wii U... The, both of these n- newer Nintendo consoles I actually agree with. While I had a, 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 some games I really loved on the Wii U, I was pretty disappointed overall with it. Well, the quantity just wasn't there. It had zero all-time greats. Really? Huh. It had only five great exclusives. The lowest yet. Even the Switch... No, not actually, the Switch has less so far. Um, 25 great games. It only had six. And it had only 43 good games. So it didn't have the quantity to reach the 50. Like just uh, the library's quantity was too low to include 50 good games. It didn't have a lot of really highly reviewed games. It only had six total. And five of them were exclusives. <laughs> so they had one non-exclusive great game and five ex- exclusive great games. And wow. zero all-time great games. Wow. I know that there there's at least one person that I know who would argue that Mario uh, 3D World is considered an all-time great, but I do not agree with that. I don't think so. I don't think it's it's even in like Mario's top lineup, much less all games top lineup. So the Wii U sucked. Moving on to the Switch. The Switch is just average. And it's because the exclusives aren't getting the ratings today that they used to get. Hmm. Mario Odyssey is the only all-time great category uh, Switch game. 
having a nine on both sides. Did not. Breath of the Wild has a user score of like eight point two. And remember, I mean, that's true. Higher back when it came out, I'll tell you that. Remember, when, even when it came out, though, our podcast, remember how we were making arguments in its defense a lot? Um, that's only because of all the people who weren't playing it. That Like, when I was reading the um, the uh, reviews on Metacritic, the negative reviews were clearly from people who had never played the game. And um, basically every actual review was like a 10 out of 10 except for Jim Sterling and, like, two other people. Well, but I do remember there was, like, a huge campaign for people to bring Breath of the Wild score down because it was, for a while there, the highest-rated game on the whole website. I, I, was, I was with you on that, especially during our podcasts. It wasn't until I did the discussion, because I, start, I was going to do a discussion series on Breath of the Wild, and uh-huh. I did the first episode, and that video got a ton of dislikes. And it was mostly because I think I was saying kind of what you're saying. I was saying, oh, the people who are saying this about the game haven't played it. And I had a lot of people in the comments saying, I have played it. And I still think that the exploration isn't good for A, B, C, legitimate constructive reasons. And I started started to realize that it, it wasn't... I mean, there's definitely an element of trolls bringing it down there. Wait, five user on metacritic really i thought it was 8.2 well I, i'm there right now it says 8.5 where did i see that maybe i was looking at this the maybe i just looked I at the wii u version if that's the case then it would fit into one of the greats uh breath of the wild i have to scroll okay page 32 there we go oh, the switch version has oh you're right it is an 8.5 so that that is included as a great exclusive then yeah, <clears throat> but it's and that it would be no, it wouldn't be an all-time great because it has to be a nine on both. That's why. Right. Uh, I was looking at the, I think I was looking at the Wii U version. Oh um, yeah, or that's maybe right. or maybe I'm confusing it. Yeah, the the Wii U version has an eight point two. Oh really? Huh. That's that's the reason I got confused there. Oh, that's funny. I did. I must. Not, I was going too fast. I didn't check on both. Like, okay, so hmm. possibly then. On the we could move the ten great exclusives category from three to four if I didn't include it in there, but um, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure what else would have been the other two because we have Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, and there would have been one other maybe like Bayonetta. Looks like Smash Ultimate is a nine. Oh, Smash Ultimate, and then Bayonetta two. Oh yeah, oh, that but Bayonetta two was on the Wii U first. I would have included it there, so it's Smash Ultimate. Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild. Oof, it's true. As the, as the great exclusives on the Switch so far. And those are <laughs> so just three. The first year. <laughs> I know, right? It's been a while since... We, I mean, we still have we yeah. still have a Metroid game coming. We still have... Uh, but I know for a fact the Fire Emblem game is not going to be a great reviewed game. It's going to fall yeah. below. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I just have a feeling that it won't. It's just not... The series has slumped a little bit recently. Hmm. Um, whereas, like, Path of Radiance was definitely an all-time great, or not all-time great, but a, ten, a great exclusive for the GameCube. I don't think Fire Emblem has quite that same, like, consistent power to be like, when that game comes out, that's definitely going to be a highly reviewed exclusive game for the Switch. But we'll see. I could be wrong. But the Switch definitely gets, oh, actually, yeah, it definitely gets 50 good games, easily. 
but in terms of great games, it only has 10 so far. Now, the Switch is not at the end of its life cycle at the, in the same way that the PlayStation 4 is. So it has time still to sort of play catch up in that area. Yeah. And there are more developers who believe in it and are working on games for it now. Like, um, you know, you're getting ports of things like Dragon Quest Eleven, And so it's going it, to it, it might be able to get to the good or great category eventually it still has some years ahead of it so it's not the the depends on how quickly the the current generation surpasses it in terms of like people just can't port to something that's that far behind um as lego dog is saying there's rumors that persona 5 is getting a switch port so like there there can be some ports that will lift its great game catalog higher from 10 to closer to the 25 range I I would say that I feel pretty confident it will probably hit that mark by the time it's done. So it will have the 50 good games, the 25 great games, so it'll at least be good. But in terms of 10 great exclusives, we're we're running a little low. Yeah, on time for that. <clears throat> make it, yeah. And for for all-time greats, I don't think it's going to make it to 5, but we'll see. Um Okay. Uh, Xbox One is the last one we have to do, I think. It's below average. It's no surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only all-time greats I could find were The Witcher 3 and Near Automata, but the, like, Game of the Year-ish, like, Platinum Edition, whatever they call it, there was, like, a second version that they released with, like, all the content in it. That got nines on both sides, users, and uh, and I guess that would count technically for the PlayStation 4 as well. So I might as well put it on there. So that brings it up to PlayStation 4 brings it up to four all-time greats with Nier included on that. Oh yeah. Nier Automata. So these aren't what they used to be, people. <laughs> <laughs> um the Xbox One had only 37 good games. It had only three great games. It had zero great exclusives. So Xbox One has really struggled in software, (laughs) in a strong software lineup. And I think most people would agree with that. I think while the Xbox 360 dominated North America, the Xbox One has fallen far, far behind the PlayStation 4 in North America. It is not viewed nearly as uh, highly as the Xbox 360 was, fell way behind. Become as God's edition, Lego Dog, thank you. That's the version of Nier Automata that was rated a 9 on both sides, so... There you have it. Let's uh, let's do a quick recap here. Well, there it is. The all-time great consoles are, in order, the Super Nintendo, the PlayStation 1, the PlayStation 2, and the GameCube. Those are the four all-time great consoles ever made. Uh, great consoles. We have the PlayStation 3, and we have... That might be the only one. Arguably, the PlayStation 4 will get there. It's not quite over yet. But the PlayStation 3 for sure. And I'd say the Sega Genesis. The Sega Genesis is great. I just didn't have the data for it. But I'm going to classify the Sega Genesis as great. Probably. Uh, The good consoles are the Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, the... 
uh, N64, and the NES. The average consoles are the Wii and the Xbox and that's it and below average is Sega Gen or Sega Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, uh the Wii U. <laughs> oh, the Switch was average so far, but I think it'll eventually get to good. Yeah, at least. Anyways, that so when I finished doing this I was kind of surprised at how that seems from my experience talking with people on the channel, debating with people on the channel about this. It seems to line up pretty well with what the consensus says. Like, I would say the N64 is an all-time great console, but, like, the consensus would not say that. The consensus would say it's average or good at best. Sure. Right? So that's what it ended up being. Uh, same with the Wii. Everyone hates the Wii. So it, it came out as being average. And uh, see, uh, that surprised me. I thought it would have more great games. I really did. But it just doesn't. It only has 12. <laughs> um, everyone it, it rags on the Wii U. It definitely was like the worst consoles in terms of like sales numbers that Nintendo's ever had. Maybe except for if you count the freaking virtual reality thing they did that one time. Uh, what was that called? The Red VR. You guys had one. Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy, yeah. Yeah, best uh, best system ever, yep. <laughs> the Wii U is maybe just a peg above that. Yeah. But... Um, and uh, so far, the Switch is average. The PlayStation 4 is good. But I think a lot of people today were like, oh, this, these consoles, this console generation is not as great as previous ones. I've seen people say that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that a lot. And that, that checks out. I think my system has is pretty good at determining what the consensus feels about these consoles. And and one of the ways that you know you can determine whether the system you know is is functional or not is that you have a pretty fair scatter plot, right? It's not mm -hmm. like m all consoles are falling into one or two categories. It's like you have yeah. a pretty decent spread across all of them. So yeah. I think it was done pretty fairly. Yeah. I mean the 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 standard was high, so to become an all time great, you had to have a ton of really really good games on your system. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, there's a, a good spread of final scores for this. So I think it works. If anyone thinks they can improve upon it, let me know what I should do. <laughs> and you make the spreadsheet, inst uh, spreadsheet instead of me so that I don't have to spend the time looking up all these scores. <laughs> thinking about... um, If anyone has the time... I'm making a video about this. Oh, that'd be sweet. No. If anyone has the time to go back and look at like magazine reviews for the NES era and stuff like that, like that would be freaking sweet to like oh, try and include that if they did scores for games yeah. back then in I magazines. Have, like, like for the NES, who yeah, that'd be hard. That'd be tough. Uh, Lego Dog says I've already done this before. Yeah. You just gotta find who's already done it and try and piggyback who's... off their work. That's true. Legadog says, I think this generation isn't amazing, but the individual years, specifically 2013 and 2017, were some of the best of all time. 2017 was a good year. I do remember it was that. Pretty didn't, terrible. Didn't Landon make a video about 2017 being one of the best years? Yeah, he talked about the best years for video games, and he had a couple. 2017 was one, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember that video. That was cool. <laughs> so that's true. Okay. Um,. Done with that discussion. Let me know what you guys think. How can we improve this? Improve the system, fine tune it, and uh, make it even better. Um, okay. Change the system so as to accommodate your particular. 
for you. How do we make the N64 great again, dude? Yeah, let's let's tweak the numbers a little. <laughs> um, okay, let's get into um, community stories. Okay, uh, just a few questions from Patreon for this week. Uh, we're gonna start with Chris Kowalchuk. Hello again. My question is regarding a film TV series adaption of Final Fantasy VI. My personal favorite in the series. Would you make the central, or who would you make the central character of the adaption? While it's definitely an ensemble story, even films or TV series with large casts can have a central character. Perhaps there's one character whose personal arc we follow most closely. Early in my writing days, I conceived of a novelization of FF6. Somehow, yeah, Tara. If you're talking about FF6. Uh, uh, Tina, to me, since I first played the Japanese version, ended up being the central character. I think it's easy for me to say it's Terra. It's just um, yeah. they they spend a lot of time focusing on each individual character's backstory, but but Terra's story is most closely um, tethered to the central plot of the game, like the entire idea of the Espers being hidden and the Emperor Emperor Gestal trying to find their realm and using her for that purpose is so centered in the game's main plot that to me i think terra is far and away the easiest choice and i know that they had said oh there's no main character in final fantasy 6 that was like the whole point in their development of it but terra is still pretty much the main character of the game she's on the cover of the game her story is the most closely associated with the game's plot it, it, i don't think it's even a debate really it's terra okay Riker's beard and some random guy. What's up? Thank you for the subscriptions. Appreciate Just it. Beasts. One quick question. I did Christopher Kowalchuk ever answer whether or not he knows me personally? I no, he didn't say anything. I want to know. Are you the person who, like ten years ago, we roommated together back <laughs> in high back in college at BYU, like 2010 or something like that? Is that out, Christopher? <laughs> we need to know. Please answer, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next question comes from. Pull it up here. From Dude McGuy. Dude McGuy has a lot of the all-time great quest podcast questions. It wouldn't be a podcast without a Dude McGuy. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. We need a Dude McGuy. Okay. It's kind of long. Atheist. Yeah. We're from Utah. He says I have a few questions about this. I'm sure you're planning to cover a lot of them already as part of the discussion, so feel free to skip any if you cover them. I'm going to assume that having exclusive games and backwards compatibility are factors in determining blah, blah, blah. Exclusive software does losing a once-exclusive game to another console by port or remaster make the original console any less great in hindsight? Huh. No. I would say no. What do you think? No, I, I wouldn't either. It's just... it. Because it, here's a funny thing. Um, the... Is it... I think it was the Xbox 360 that got like an, maybe it was Xbox One that got like an update of every rare game that oh, was right. made from like the 90s. And it includes like, well, games that were all Nintendo games, basically. Hmm. And it's funny that they're all Xbox games now. And you can play basically all of them. And just by doing that, they had more virtual console games than I think the Wii U did. Um, for Nintendo virtual console games, their library was bigger, something like that. It was really weird. Uh, maybe it was Xbox One. I can't really remember. Um, but things like changing later on, you always have to factor in like when things happened. 
and what things were like at the time a game or a console first came out, um, as opposed to kind of what ended up happening later on, I think. The, so Resident Evil 4, I think, is a prime example for me of this. Sure. And the fact that Resident Evil 4 was originally exclusive to the GameCube, but then eventually was moved over to the PlayStation 2, and now it's it's on freaking the Wii, and it's on PCs, mm. and it's on modern-day consoles like Xbox One and PS4. It had, like, an HD remaster on Steam and all everything else. So the fact that that is true does not lessen the fact that that game is part of the GameCube's very strong library. Yeah. It doesn't impact that at all. It, it's only a factor if you're going to argue about should I get a GameCube or a PlayStation 2, if I'm going to pick one or the other. The yeah. only time that, that this factors into a conversation at all is whether or not you're trying to elevate one console over another. And so what? let's say we have our four all-time greats, right? And the PlayStation 2 and the GameCube are both all-time greats, but now if we're going to argue which of the two all-time greats is the better console, that's when it becomes a factor. Sure, sure. But otherwise, no. I don't think it impacts the greatness of the GameCube. It just means the PlayStation 2 got that much better, right? So it has even more of an advantage. And I think could easily... I mean, PlayStation 2 is a better console than the GameCube. <laughs> I think so. We need to... We'll take the top four and have them duke it out, and GameCube will probably come out as the fourth best. <laughs> yeah, the fourth of those four. Without any of the others. <laughs> no arguing the Super Nintendo to the PlayStation 2 is much easier to do because you don't have any crossover there. You can be more objective, yeah. So it's like, no, you don't get Chrono Trigger on your PlayStation 2. Well, I guess you could if you put the PlayStation 1 disc of Chrono Trigger into the PlayStation 2. Oh. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's the exclusive software question. Um, second one, backwards compatibility. How much does backwards compatibility boost a console's greatness? This is one of the things that I would have loved to have factor into the hardware side that I didn't really get into at all. Um, you know, how much does hardware affect a console's greatness? This is definitely something I didn't account for, something that we could talk about. But backwards compatibility is huge for me. Um, yeah. I really, really want to be able to go back and play the previous uh, games on the console, which is why I think the PlayStation 2 is uh, arguably the best PlayStation console because I can still play every PlayStation 1 game on it. I don't have to buy a PlayStation 1. I can buy a PlayStation 2, and I have the entire PlayStation 1 and 2 library at my disposal. That's pretty valuable. So that's why I value the PlayStation 2 over the PlayStation 1, personally. The PlayStation 3 had one model that allowed you to do that. Backwards compatible for PS2 and PS1 games. Hmm. So the place that, that model of the PlayStation 3 would be even more valuable. <laughs> but it's a very limited run, it's very hard to find, and most people don't have that one. Hmm. Uh, PlayStation 4 has no backwards compatibility. That's BS. So I know why. The PlayStation 3's core uh, hardware design was made very difficult for that. So it's they, they did it to try and reduce piracy, but now they just made it so that their future consoles can't have great backwards compatibility, which sucks. Um, okay, so those are the two questions from Dude McGuy. Thank you. Um. Let's see. The next question came from Daniel Burnham. Let me pull that one up. Do, 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 do. Wait, where'd it go? Oh, it's further back. It's further back. Here we go, Daniel Burnham. Found it. 
I have a more general question if the Space Fourth this week. So much of the JRPG genre is predicated on conflict equaling combat in storytelling. Games that are fairly light on combat or have none at all are generally labeled puzzle games or put aside into a separate genre. How could a studio build an immersive RPG without combat and without essentially writing a visual novel that's dialogue for with a few branching pathways? What meaningful challenges would you uh, make a game like this complete in terms of gameplay? That's a, such a hard question. Um, because RPGs date back to the tabletop RPG, which is all about experience. So it, the, the entire concept is I fight and I gain experience and my combat skills get better. So you just have to find a different version of improving in a thing. Uh, what do you want that to be? Do you want that to be business? <laughs> get better at negotiations? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's the whole concept of like practice makes perfect, but it's usually like, I think we've always said in the past, like one of the, one of the great applications of RPGs in general would actually be in like a sports game as opposed to uh, if, if you weren't going to be fighting. It's got to be something that you can grind at. It's got to be something that you can like practice and get better at. And and there are rules surrounding what you do and you have different skill sets. And it's like, okay, certain like sports games can apply to that. Um, but generally speaking, they, we've talked about this in a previous podcast. It's been a while. <laughs> so we have read this here. He's made some comments. I'm going to read a couple of them. Yeah, I didn't mean to ignore you there, dude. First of all, he said, uh, you fellas, Utah folks as well. Salt Lake City here. Yes. I'm in North Salt Lake. Cason's in um, Spanish oh. Fork? Oh, Springville. Yeah. Springville. Springville. But Provo area. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he also brought up... Dot, 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 dot. Papers, Please seems to be a good example of an RPG without traditional conflict. Game Dev Tycoon. Now, Game Dev Story. Yeah, game Dev Story. That That's one of the things that came to my mind. Game Dev Story is one of my favorite games ever. I freaking love that game. And that is a great example of an RPG about uh, building a game studio. So, yeah, it can definitely be done um, and, and done really well. You just have to pick a, a thing other than combat that you need to, like, improve at or get better at over time through sure. grinding experience, you know, just, like, putting in the work to, like, build up something. A cooking game could be a good RPG, and that's yeah. absolutely true. Absolutely, that's true as well. Um, so translate as well i guess um the mechanics can fit into any number of genres i guess and yet that's what you see all the time you see uh, rpg mechanics worked into freaking shooters nowadays so mm -hmm. they're applicable basically anywhere yeah the idea of just do a thing a lot and you get better at it right um okay thank you for that question last one comes from brandon badger uh, says very cool topic a question i thought this is from last week actually but i thought uh, maybe interesting for you guys to cover involves the idea of vr if virtual reality does become mainstream in gaming what types of experiences would you both like to see in that you feel is unique to or improved by the medium gosh i haven't i haven't actually had much experience with vr um i've done it a little bit i'm not like a huge fan necessarily mm. Um, when I play games, I like to be sitting down on my couch. <laughs> I don't want to be looking around all the time. Um, and I don't know. I, I prefer AR to VR personally. 
um, getting up and moving around and, and transforming the current world that I have, as opposed to um, experiencing like a whole, a whole completely new world in VR. But I don't know. Maybe it's because my eyes don't do well with VR headsets. I don't, I don't tend to adjust very well. My eyes aren't very good. And it's a problem. So I just don't really appreciate it. I'd rather play just a game in front of me on a screen. The thing about VR is that it has that hurdle to overcome in that there are going to be people who have motion sickness, people yeah. who don't have like the best eyesight that will have a hard time adjusting. Yeah, I, I technically um, have 2D vision. My, my left, I have a lazy eye. I don't know. You guys probably don't know this about me because I don't let it show very often. Because you don't focus. You don't actually focus a lot, I do you? I really don't. <laughs> I have found a way to fix it to where I don't look as, I don't, my eyes don't cross like basically ever anymore. But when I was, you know, when I was really little, I had cross-eyed sometimes. And I, um, I, my left eye just never really developed. It never really functioned. I'm so right-eye dominant that my left eye, my brain has basically learned to ignore almost all information input from this eye because it's just wrong half the time, you know? And so I, I just have a really hard time using virtual reality because of that, using anything that is meant to be and like 3D movies and stuff, they like it works, but it doesn't really work on me the way it works for other people. So I just don't get on. I don't get on board with that stuff, generally speaking. Rethius mm. uh, says, Kason, I feel like I met you. Did you go to Kearns or Copper Hills High? Ooh, uh, nope. So we, <laughs> I, we, we did not grow up here, Mike and I. Yeah. We grew up. Mike and I met in Arizona and we lived in Colorado together. Like we we aren't like from utah necessarily but we do live here now so yeah grew up in different places uh denver for a lot of years arizona for a lot of years i did not go to high school here in utah yeah um okay for yeah so there's a, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome for vr that i think will make it basically impossible to ever become mainstream but there are a few games that i think would be really cool in vr because i don't get motion sick my eyes adjust pretty well to it yeah. Um, I don't get motion sickness in general. Like, like I'm one of those weird people who enjoys turbulence on a plane. It makes it more exciting. Like, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like awesome. They're like we're moving around. Like this is cool. Like, <laughs> I, I just I have no motion sickness oh. at all. So uh, I do really well with VR for the most part. But it just it is bulky and cumbersome and just a hassle. I feel. Like if I'm gonna play a game, I generally want to relax, and I don't want to put a thing on my face and tighten it, and you know, mess with that. But there probably are a few RPGs like uh, Elder Scrolls games could be really cool in VR. I feel where it's about exploration, it's about like seeing the world and its majesty and looking and discovering. I think any kind of game that has a heavy emphasis on exploration, has a really beautiful world, is a game that I think I could really enjoy in VR. So uh, I think that Chocolate Rob brought up. Um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Now, I think it's difficult in a from a third person perspective because the way that they have tried to solve that in certain VR games is that the camera like jumps ahead with you. It's like a stationary camera, and oh. I don't like that for third person games. I want the camera, my head, the the device to just work like the thumbstick, where I look yeah, this way. Like you're flying a little helicopter right behind the dude. And yeah. You're- you're just like right there hanging in front of yeah, and I can I can turn my head around and look around but I don't want the camera to like be st- 
stationary sort of jump ahead with the character. I, that's what they've tried to do with third-person games in VR, and I think that's horrible. Mm. So if I could have a controller in my hand rather than motion controllers, right? If I could have a controller in my hand... Okay, it's good, but that's not actually totally true. I'd be fine with motion controllers if they had thumbsticks on them. I mm. still want to move the character with a thumbstick. I still want some level of control, even of like the perspective of the camera with the right thumbstick. I think developers, probably for the reasons of uh, motion sickness, have sort of like not wanted to deal with having camera control on your head and in your right hand, where I can control the camera with the thumbstick as well as with my head in different ways. So like, let's say you have a third person perspective game and you're moving forward. A lot of times you can turn the character right and left with the right stick. That's how it works with shooters, right? First person shooters. You strafe left and right with the left thumbstick, yeah, left yeah, and yeah. right input, and you turn the character with the right thumbstick, right? Some third person games also uh, do that with like say Resident Evil um, 5. They, they did it that way, right? Where you turn the character with the right thumbstick, but you strafe with the other. Because the mm. camera's always behind the character. Yeah, I don't. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying I want a game with full regular camera right stick control, but I can also turn my head. And some people would have a huge yeah. problem with sickness if they tried that, but I wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I would be fine. So this is just for me. But if I could like mod or change it so where I could have dual control of the camera with my head and with the stick. That's what I would prefer in a third-person game like Shadow of the Colossus. Otherwise, for all the other ways they've tried to like fix that problem, I've not enjoyed third-person games in VR like at all. Yeah. Um, th- uh, Rob says, "Good point. I actually want Shadow of the Colossus on holodeck." Now, holodeck technology—that's what I'm talking about. That's the yeah, next. That's step. a whole different thing. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, that's yeah. our thoughts on VR. Yep. Um, that's the end of the podcast. Appreciate all you guys joining us today. It's a good discussion. Again, if you have any uh, suggestions for fixing. But I think it did a pretty good job, honestly. The console yeah. rankings worked the out. The end result was like, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I think yeah. it worked out pretty objectively, pretty fairly. So, Anyways, but if you have ways to refine it, let me know in the comments. Otherwise, you guys have a great remainder of your Sunday. We will see you again next week. Peace out. Peace out.